0: Closing of places of entertainment. All cinemas, theaters, and other places of entertainment are to be closed immediately until further notice. They are being closed because if they were hit by a bomb, large numbers would be killed or injured. Sports gatherings and all gatherings for purposes of entertainment and amusement, whether outdoor or indoor, which involve large numbers congregating together are prohibited until further notice.
1: On September 3rd, 1939, journalist Alvar Liddell broadcast this special announcement on the BBC Home Service radio. There are obviously countless iconic radio broadcasts around this time, but this to me is one of the most interesting. In this moment, the radio, already the primary news service for the country, took on another guy's. It became the primary entertainment service too. As the only provider of radio in the country at the time, the BBC found itself in the position of having to switch tact, from being dry, officious and primarily focused on disseminating government information during wartime, to becoming an outlet for comedy, music and the arts. It was in this time of international crisis that radio truly earned its position as the trusted and much-loved friend in the living rooms of the country.
2: It's whenever, in fact, any time of any sort of uh, uh, challenge, uh, be that weather, be that uh, virus, be that whatever, people do seem to turn to radio, Uh, I mean it's a kind of very well-trodden path but that kind of friend in the room's adage seems to work incredibly well, uh, particularly in times of, of strife.
1: So look, obviously we're facing an entirely different kind of crisis today to that of the Second World War, and to draw too neat a comparison between the two is probably unhelpful and of course we now have a plethora of shiny rectangles in our homes to provide us with all the entertainment that we need but there's still something special and magical about radio or considering the now complete ubiquity of podcasting more broadly audio so what with one thing and another it's perhaps a good time to look at how and perhaps more importantly why Audio has the opportunity to connect with audiences like no other medium. And, doing the sensible thing, we will do it all without leaving the comfort of this airing cupboard that I'm currently sat in. I'm Leo Birch, and this is The Lockdown Lowdown, an experimental podcast of indefinite length from the branded content practice of Engine Creative.
2: There we go, how's that? Yeah, that sounds perfect. Right, so
1: it's almost working too well now isn't it touch wood we'll be fine yeah although my my next door neighbor i can see i'm I'm sitting right by the window and i can see he's just balanced there with a circular saw (laughs) (laughs) please don't
2: that's exactly what you need isn't it now
1: If you're looking to get an insight into the UK's radio landscape right now, you'd be hard-pushed to find someone more qualified to talk about it than Stuart Mays. Stuart leads the commercial strategy for Global, the largest commercial radio company in Europe and operator of some of the most loved stations in the UK, including Capital, Heart, LBC, and many more. And in the current context, the nature of that UK radio landscape is perhaps more intriguing than ever.
2: The current crisis is... is, uh, It's quite odd for us because we are seeing huge um, gains in our, our our reach and the time spent with our brands. So to give you some examples, the uh, we, we just literally finished a, a piece of research and we can see that our daily reach has been up about 15% and the time spent with our brands is up about 9%. Uh, social engagements even are up about 30% as well. And that's just up to the period. I think last I looked at last week, so I think it was the period ending the 17th. Of March, So we're fully expecting those numbers to ramp up even more. For LBC, for example, we've seen a huge increase. About, we saw 43% increase in daily reach. So it's not just existing listeners. It's a whole host of other uh, people coming to LBC, those, those trusted news brands uh, for information in a way that kind of um, helps them make sense of what's going on. In any, in, any area, in any period where there's so much uncertainty, no one's ever going to say, I have enough information, because things do, are changing so quickly and so regularly. And we're in that world of, uh, we just haven't been here before, so no one quite knows how to behave or quite know how to
1: think. Clearly, at Global, you've got a very broad stable of brands. Are you seeing a trend of people just seeking more news content or more entertainment content too?
2: Since the outbreak, it's been fascinating. We're obviously, we speak to our audiences on a on a very regular basis just to really sort of understand what's going on. What we pride ourselves on, if you like, is trying to be a, a barometer of the mood of the nation, and because we, we need to be reflective of what's going on. Otherwise, quite frankly, our brands will fail. And, and right now there's definitely a tension between craving more information and also that need to be distracted. And we want so we aim to provide that balance, certainly. So giving people a, a, a voice and opportunities to air their thoughts or connect with us via social media, um, sort of voice their concerns, their grievances. But also people do want to, they want to escape a little bit. They want to, um, they want to feel good rather than just be bombarded with, with negative news stories. So it's about getting that balance right. The, the ability for our presenters to actually humanise the messages that go out there. Now, Amanda and Jamie on Heart Breakfast, being able to articulate and ask, encourage uh, their listeners, their millions of um, the people they speak to to, uh, to, to, to wash hands to do the things that people are asking them to do. But because it's them doing it, there's a lot more traction uh, and there's a lot more sort of uh, chance of a true behavioural change if somebody that you choose to listen to is asking you to do it rather than not. Um, and again, having people call up with their own stories, it just makes it more human.
1: Everybody I've asked about why radio or podcasting is so powerful has used that expression, that it's human. That there's something in listening to people talking to other people, and indeed talking to you, the listener, that feels more authentic, more conversational, and more intimate. There's shed loads of audience research out there that consistently points to radio being the most trusted form of media. And I asked Adam Utman, director of content at audio production company, Listen, and former editor and head of production at BBC Radio 1 and one Extra, about why that might be.
3: Quite simply, it's the most intimate form of communication there is going. Um, and that's why radio, radio traditionally has been so successful over the years. It's one-on-one. It's a person with a microphone. And in music radio, a box of records traditionally, and talking to you as a listener in your car or at home. Um, extending that to podcasting, Because radio is still ultimately dictated by the linear schedule Um, and we've got to finish at five o'clock and we've got to do the travel news and we've got to get to the news junction. Um, In the world of podcasting, there's so much more flexibility um, that it's allowed audio to become even more intimate, even more one-on-one. And actually there are new audiences coming into podcasting at the younger end in particular. um, We make, for example, the Gemma Collins podcast for the BBC um, and... There's an audience that traditionally, in terms of under 35s, didn't listen to speech content, really, because there hasn't really been speech content in this country for younger audiences, because Radio 4 is not aimed at them. And suddenly there there are... People that younger audiences can relate to more. People really
4: went for it, and some people were just happy doing TOWI. Um, and some people were happy just to leave tawey and never do it again. So for me, I did learn that the only way to get to the top was to work exceptionally, exceptionally, exceptionally hard. For me now, next in my career will be movies. That's kind of where I want to go. I want. Oh yeah, just click that. On. I want. That's my alarm, guys. So, no, next stop for me is to make a movie. You know, I don't need to have the starring role. Well, I kind of do. But I would like to prove... And it's
3: more produced than it sounds, believe me, but it's literally Gemma talking
4: to her fan
3: base every week.
4: I I just think if you keep working hard and you get to your end goal, then, like, just be so proud of yourself. But there's
3: always room about uh, the stuff room. that's going on in her life yeah, uh, it's really lives. really personal it's really relatable it allows you to see her as someone from the only way is Essex in a completely different light She obviously takes questions from the audience as well but at its core it's one person saying here I am in my house in my bedroom talking to you um, you don't get that on TV you don't get that on many other in, in many other places.
0: Audio is so intimate. You're literally in people's ears. You're literally talking to their imagination.
1: That's my friend and former colleague Rihanna Coleman. Rihanna is a specialist podcast consultant currently developing Bible's nascent podcast strategy. Back in 2018, when we worked together, she launched the BBC Earth podcast as its first executive producer. That show is now in its third series and still wowing audiences the world over.
0: Um, and most people know BBC Earth because of the Attenborough nature documentaries and so on. So we really wanted to um, transform that experience of um, factual natural history content over into the audio space and tell it in a really beautiful uh, kind of immersive sound experience.
1: You start to descend and all of that worry sorts of goes away because you're glued to the window, this tiny six-inch sphere window. As you pass through the sort of twilight zone, there's just the most amazing bioluminescence. Like fireworks going off outside the window just constantly for about half an hour of every color, shape, description. Before you know it, you're on the deep sea floor.
0: So that was a really good starting point and a really good case study to show that you can take um, what a brand is known for, the the content that the audiences love, um, and what really resonates with them, um, and then just transform it into a different medium.
1: And how did you find that kind of transfer in terms of of storytelling from going from AV and video, but also from Instagram, still images and stuff like that? How did you find that transfer of storytelling technique into audio?
4: Yeah,
0: I think there's a degree of realising that when you're watching a natural history documentary, for example, the visuals are doing so much of the work for you. Um, So from a production point of view we really had to focus on um, making sure that the sound design and the um, scripting was really top quality so that we could be the eyes and ears and kind of imagination for the listener. It was about finding stories that triggered an emotion or ones that could be described or um, accompanied with really beautiful sound effects or really um, lovely music beds which kind of painted a picture that you kind of take for granted when you watch something but not only that it's it's also podcasts are much longer form content and it's a really active experience so a lot of people describe it as a lean-in experience so whereas um consumers of uh, short-term short-form content on social channels might come across a video or um an image in their feed um, they're subscribed perhaps to the channel because they know that they enjoy the brand but what they're served in their feed maybe isn't like an active selection whereas with podcasting people tend to search for a category so a vertical or um a personality that they love or a topic that they love and then because it's a longer piece of content usually between anything from 30 minutes to an hour, there's podcasts that go on for two hours, three hours as well. But typically they go between half an hour and an hour. Um, The listen through rate for podcasts is typically a lot more impressive than you would get from a short form piece of content because people are actively selecting it it's also passive content so they can engage with it whilst they're multitasking so they may be driving commuting or doing household chores um, rather than having to engage with a screen but with that it means that everything that goes into the podcast needs to be good because as soon as you lose someone and the paint the picture isn't being painted for them or there's not enough clarity in following the conversation people will drop off Um, whereas you can lean a little bit more on b-roll or beautiful visuals on video and short form content
1: Audio as a medium obviously has a more restricted arsenal of storytelling techniques than video does, for instance. When you're working with one human sense rather than two, there's fewer places to hide and, on the surface, fewer opportunities. But podcasts like BBC Earth, or the likes of S-Town and 99% Visible show that you can create really powerful images in people's minds by approaching sound design, music, textures and voices in a considered way. And those restrictions on your production also allow for experimentation in a way that perhaps video does not. You'd be amazed how much quicker you can experiment and test and learn and develop ideas when your story is told purely through sound. Many shows start as one thing and over time grow into another. So there's a real opportunity for formats to evolve organically over time.
3: One really important thing I think to we always have to remember about podcasting is that um, it might take a little bit of time to grow, um, but that's okay because you can experiment. You can start off doing one thing and then tweak it as you go along, um, reacting to audience what 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 the audience uh, want is. Um, it can be used as an experimental formats, um, experimental medium, should I say, and we, we say this to TV companies quite a lot that they're probably sitting on a lot of, you know, a large slate of really great ideas that didn't become TV shows for some reason. Do you know what? You can make them in podcasting fairly cheaply, um, almost as a development tool to see how it works, to see if it can connect with an audience to then take it on elsewhere if, if that's what ends up happening. Um, Def experimental is definitely um, a thing that podcasts can be.
1: And I think what's quite interesting about that from a branded content perspective, we we always say to our clients here at Engine is that content is very much a long game. It's not just going to be some, you know, you don't just go to market with your full message and all your ideas and everything and then have this planned out campaign that runs and then you're done. Have you found working in branded content podcasts before any kind of pushback to the, the more kind of editorial first approach. Um,
3: what you've just said is absolutely spot on. Um, uh, it, it, it is a long game and we will always say to a client, whilst we can deliver whatever that client wants, ultimately in, in audio, we advise them to think of the audience that they want to reach out to first and work backwards from there, start with the content. Develop an idea that works for that audience, something that you're confident they're going to want to listen to in the first place, and then think about how to get your messaging away within that idea. If the idea itself isn't strong, um, the, the, the brand message isn't going to be able to cut through properly. But if you can create a podcast and a piece of content that audiences genuinely think is amazing over time, you'll get all the benefit from that. By being the brand associated with that and and I have to say you know they was saying that I spent my first 10 years the first 10 years of my career in commercial radio this isn't any different to the conversations we'd be having with clients when looking at branded pieces of content for say The Breakfast Show on XFM Um, let us help you work out an idea that the audience will really engage with and will be entertained by or will laugh at first ideally and then work out how to get your messaging away within that. His global steward base.
2: Anything that goes on air has to work very well. We have no cover price, uh, we have no subscription, so uh, our audiences are, are advertisers' audiences, obviously. So that point of uh, uh, of interaction, if you like, that point where the message hits the audience needs to be as uh, relevant and as interesting uh, for for our audiences uh, as possible. Uh, if it doesn't, then we all we all mess up. So there's a there's a massive mutual interest in delivering the messages in the right way to make sure they're effective and they deliver uh, the messages in a way that actually can and cut through for audiences um, and presenters need to deliver them so they, they have to be part of that, that development process. Um, And on the bigger campaigns, the bigger partnerships that we do, they are absolutely a fundamental part uh, in everything that that goes on. Having something like
0: brand extension, audience acquisition as your key objectives will then kind of be the foundation for achieving brilliant revenue generation. Um, But also, I suppose, from a brand perspective, if you're going to launch a piece of creative and put it out there into the podcast ether, you don't want it to be a kind of flash in the pan activation, if you like. Generally, the aim is to have a podcast that can then be a returning format and then a growing medium and it can kind of play as much or a part on your digital slate as your um, Facebook content does or your YouTube content does, but just in a different way.
1: Now I appreciate, of course, that that's all well and good in normal times, but in case you haven't noticed, these aren't exactly normal times. So realistically, what can be done right now? Here's Adam Newman again.
3: Um, it's really interesting, on the radio side of things, um, lots of broadcasters are being forced to broadcast from home at the moment, um, which I think makes everything even more relatable. So if you're sitting at home self-isolating um, with the radio on the background and the presenters having to do exactly the same, I mean the, the Today programme on Radio 4, they're doing that. Five Live, some of the presenters are coming from home. It kind of says they're in exactly the same situation as you. Um, and, The best radio that's made, the best audio content that's made, has that at its heart.
0: So feasible to keep creating podcasts or even launching podcasts in this time of lockdown. There's so many creative production routes that you can go down to get something off the ground, whether that's I don't know if you listened to The Guardian's latest episode where the producer was at their house, two presenters at their own houses. They've got a decent quality tabletop mic like the one that I'm speaking into now, which is just like a USB mic. They're underneath a duvet, so it's like a decent um, I should probably should have done that for this <laughs> underneath the duvet so that it's the sound quality isn't too compromised but at the same time they're really upfront about it they're just saying you know this is really different for us we're producing it in a different way and actually that kind of homegrown feeling is what made people fall in love with podcasts back in 2004 anyway it was very kind of YouTube beginnings as well they're kind of bedroom um, production so being upfront about it and being creative about um, about how to make the content sound good is one route. Um, doing something like this, where you can use multiple tools that are available on the internet to record conversations. Also phone conversations. I don't think it's particularly off-putting hearing someone talking down a phone line if it's a short segment. If it's an entire podcast where person's voice is quite distorted down a phone line it might be quite distracting but for a segment for a contribution i think it's fine um and then on the flip side it's also about looking to the content that you already have banked so is there anything that actually exists in video in the medium of video that you can repurpose that audio have it re-edited remixed Um, and put it out as a piece of audio content instead and reframe it a little bit. So there are definitely routes. It's
3: been really interesting for us this last week in particular. Uh, We've had to react and we've had to work out how we can do things differently. And I've been really quite pleasantly surprised at how doable this stuff is and how many different options there are of getting people to record remotely. And I actually think for us as a podcast production company, we've realised it's actually going to open up more opportunities to do things long term that actually we don't have to get people together face to face. If you want a three or four way conversation, there are loads of different ways of doing that. And suddenly I think the possibilities have been opened up. We can send people microphones, we can give them extra bits of kit. If they have no um, technological know-how at all, we can give them the simplest possible setup. If they have a bit of sort of know-how and understanding they can set themselves up at home. Genuinely, this, this, this current world situation has opened up, I think, the possibility of doing things more creatively, and I think we might actually get some even more interesting podcasting opportunities out of it as a result.
1: So I think we've kind of answered the question of whether we can do this developing, producing, even launching podcasts or radio campaigns during lockdown is immensely achievable. But should we? Is it right to be thinking at all about opportunities like this at a time like this? I'm sure lots of people in advertising, comms and marketing around the world are thinking that exact same thing right now. It's certainly a question I've been asking myself. So I chatted with Billy Faithful, Chief Creative Officer here at Engine, to get his thoughts on it.
5: I mean, no one knows how this thing is going to play out, and I haven't got a clue, you know. um, I don't know how it's going to play out, but what I do know is that, you know, creative people tend to be probably, you know, the most resourceful and resilient people you'll meet. And I don't mean, you know, people with a creative in their job title, I mean people who are lateral thinkers, and also people who tend to be productive makers and doers. I think they're kind of, you know, born with the ability, a kind of innate sort of ability to work within kind of strict mandates and difficult restrictions and guardrails. And, you know, and often those creative restrictions are the thing that loses their ability to produce things and make things. And, and they also tend to, I think if they're relatively seasoned, especially if they work in a sort of commercial world where they've had to sort of fight their way in, they also have, you know, a kind of very stubborn and kind of relentless insistence on getting back up time and again when they get knocked down. So I think creative people kind of do just that. They create things. Um, and in situations when there is, you know, high stress or rest- restrictions, you get really clever. I mean, I I often bore people with my, you know, I I write electronic music as a sort of hobby and it's it's literally the first thing I did when I got a job in advertising was I bought myself audio software the, th- the cheapest thing i could afford at the time and i'd say you know like my experience of being a creator in that space is not dissimilar to being a creator in the advertising space in that the less stuff i've had the better i bet the better creator i've been so if you you know if you're a music producer or a dj or something and you your first single hits a, a global audience and you get unlimited budget and you buy yourself a five hundred pound studio i think actually um sasha the dj said this is exactly what he did when he got famous he bought himself li- like a literally like a sort of um 300 pound studio got it kitted out and it was the worst thing that ever happened to him and he spent years removing stuff from his studio in order to get good so i think like that that ability of creative people to sort of bounce their way out of restrictions, I think, is sort of what makes them good. So I think in the in these kind of times, you know, I think creators tend to find a way out of it and a really clever way out of it, and they'll make something out of it that they wouldn't have made um, when they were outside of those restrictions. And I think, I think, as you've probably seen, as everyone has seen, it wasn't two minutes into the lockdown before you saw your social media inundated with brilliant pieces of funny, meaningful, powerful content. So I think those that's kind of what creativity can do. I think it can it can affect positive changes by getting inside your head. But then also I think you've got you know hopefully we all hope there are very smart people using data and analysis to solve these problems, but then hopefully attached to them are some very smart people using hunch and lateral and sort of oh here's a crazy idea but this might just work type thing you know i know that's a very hollywood idea of what's happening <laughs> fine but, you know in inside the nhs and inside the um, world health organization but that's what you want don't you? you want at your disposal you want people who are very very clever full of data and analysis and academic intelligence but you want combined with them you want you want some wild cards who are sort of coming up with the moonshots that might just be the thing that gets us out of this mess. So I think creativity is a huge part to play.
1: This is a time to utilise and celebrate the very human skills that we have as a creative industry. We can explore opportunities where we can inform with personality, educate with creativity and entertain with humanity. Like Amanda and Jamie delivering public health info on The Breakfast Show, or BBC Earth telling stories from the bottom of the ocean, or Gemma Collins just being Gemma Collins. Whether that's podcasts, or film, or artwork, whatever, there's still great stuff to be made during lockdown. So, That's kind of the whole point of this podcast series and over the next few weeks, months or however long this takes, we'll be hearing from more people within our own business and across the industry about the interesting, fun and hopefully impactful things that we can all do while we're on lockdown. This has been an Engine Original podcast produced in-house or more specifically in my house by me, Leo Butch. Dave Roberts is the executive producer in his own house, Charlie Johnson, the creative director, also in his own house, and special props to Bradley Morey of Engine Film, who's also in his own house for sound mixing and the general audio geniusness that he has. Thanks also to Stuart Mays from Global, Adam Youtman from Listen, Rihanna Coleman from Lab Bible, and of course, our very own Billy Faithful. Later this week, we'll be speaking with James Kirkham. Formerly of Leo Burnett and Copper 90 James is now CBO at Defected Records. In this, crazy challenging time for the music and events industry. We'll hear from him about how Defected are tackling that head on. Also, if you have any suggestions for topics for episodes, suggestions for euphemisms for coronavirus, hell, if you want to record one of these yourself, please do just get in touch through the usual channels. It can be about pretty much anything you like as long as you stay the fuck indoors. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon.